Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director. I am your host, Jaime Cabrera, seasoned creative director, veteran, 25 years in the business. I don't know. Should I be bragging about that? It's a long time. But no, I was just recently reflecting on my career and I realized, yeah, I've been been uh, been in the advertising and marketing game now for 25 years. So that says a little something, right? I think. Uh, and, and you know, conversely, uh, on today's show, I have a young creative director by the name of Zach Connolly, Zachary Connolly, but he said I could call him Zach because we became fast friends uh, on, the, on the podcast, so he said I could call him Zach. But uh, talk about a rising star. This guy is on a hot streak right now. Uh, winning all kinds of pitches for his East Coast agency, doing some really cool stuff, sort of combining uh, media and content and uh, measurement and metrics and all kinds of really interesting things. He'll tell us a little bit about that. Um, but I was just really taken by his approach. He's, uh, you know, he's 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 a young he's a young cat, but uh, he seems very wise for his age. I'm definitely stealing some things that he shared with me, including uh, how he likes to wear a cowboy hat to uh, his pitches and uh, has a. Uh, a pump-up track that he listens listens to right before he pitches. I do that, too. Actually, we talk about our song choices there. But, yeah, I just really enjoyed the heck out of this conversation. I think you will, too, especially if you're a, a young, up-and-coming creative director. This is the show that you want to listen to. So, without further ado, let's get into it with Zach Connolly. Zach Connolly. How are you, man? Good to see um, you. I'm doing well, man. Living the dream. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for making the time to uh, join the podcast. I understand you're kind of uh, uh, you're you're kind of on the on the wagon or off the wagon. I don't know what it is. You you must have had some big <laughs> big crazy event. We're not going to be able to do our toast here, but I, I feel you. I feel you. I'm on. I'm having a Lacroix myself, but I respect that. Same here. I came from the company retreat. It was in Nashville. Um, and, uh, just trying to take it easy. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Did you get, did you guys go to Tootsie's? What did you do in Nashville? Honestly, uh, a lot of people bought boots. Some people got, got tattoos. We looked at vintage guitars, rock and roll hall of, uh, country music hall of fame, all the touristy stuff. But it was, it was very, very fun to see a lot of the team who I don't usually get to see in person. That was my that's, that's awesome. And it sounds like a great uh, retreat. So real quick, just cheers. Thanks again for making the cheers, time. Buddy. Thanks for having me. Salud. Salud. Um, and, and with that in mind, that sounds like a pretty cool company retreat. So tell me a little bit about the company that you're working with right now within. Yes. Yeah, I'd love so, to hear a little bit more. Um, it's an agency. We branded ourselves initially as the first performance marketing agency. So we measure and we're data driven and we do it better than anybody. And then little by little, clients started asking for creative. And so we've expanded our creative department from initially like seven people to now 45. Wow. Somewhere around that. Yeah. And 45. it just keeps going well because we have like these great relationships with media and testing and performance. And we're, we're cross-selling pretty successfully into the creative department now. How did you get to this point in your career? Tell us a little bit because I know it's sort of an interesting kind of route that, that you took to get to your current role. So tell us a little bit about that. So uh, I started in documentaries and wow. um, I, I began initially like desperate to make the next man on wire, you know, desperate to like uncover something cool and totally nonfiction and started out working at PBS right out of college uh, as an associate producer. And then I moved into um, 
National Geographic where I was just a freelancer, but that let me parlay that into Vice where I was for almost uh, three years. And that was where I really learned how like important writing is. Let me hone my skills there. Um, but I also saw that there was candidly a little bit more money to be made when bigger brands are involved. So right. moved a little bit into branded content, still making nonfiction, like, you know, still making nonfiction content and uh, then transitioned into full on advertising after that. Um, cool. After I left Vice, took a little bit of a sabbatical, lived in South America for a few months and wow. came back, moved right into copywriting. I took every copywriting gig I could find. Um, started going really well. Then landed at Condé Nast, um, became an associate creative director there and learned a lot about corporate creative, which is like a yeah. big thing, right? Like anybody who wanted to work with uh, any Condé Nast brand in the culture division, um, they had to come through our team. That's sort of where I found my mentor, found my voice. And then the former creative director at Within hit me up and he was like, love your book, love your work. I'm trying to find somebody to replace me, come through for an interview. And that was about a year and a half ago, and here we are. Wow, that's cool. So in your mind, do you consider yourself a writer first, or you consider yourself sort of a, a filmmaker or a documentarian? Or, you know, what's what will it say? This is a weird thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. What will it say on your, on your tombstone? Will it say writer? Will it say, you know, What will it say? On my, tomb, on my tombstone, it will probably say, don't try. That's Bukowski. That's Bukowski. Yeah, I knew that one. Wow, I, I mean, like it. I honestly, like it. Man, writer first, always. You yeah. know, it's I, I love directing on set. I love art directing when I can, but it's it's always starts with writing for me. So yeah. yeah, writer first. That's cool, and that's kind of the way I came up too. And it's funny because I'm starting to sort of get get more get back into it a little bit more. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. going to turn this podcast into a book. So, um, don't oh, be surprised yeah. if so, some of your nuggets make it into the, into the book, but I'm starting to realize like, that's really what I am at, at my core. I'm kind of a, a writer and like a, you know, content creator and, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. So, um, all right. So let's, let's kick it off with, you know, the, the standard question that I use here, which is how do you describe the role of a creative director? Hmm. Okay. Um, the creative director is, and, and, you know, I'm going to hear a lot of gripe from my account team and my sales teams and everybody else, but I think that the creative director is the first voice and the last voice. And what I mean by that is you're the first voice. A lot of times you're one of the first people that the client meets, you know, they want to believe in the creative director that they're going to be attached to. Yeah. And then you're also the first voice when creative ideation starts. Uh, when you're trying to find a direction with your creative team, it's usually starting with the creative director, establishing some kind of pillar that we know about the client. And right. then you're the last voice when it comes to final approvals, you know? So I think I like to think that we're the first and the last voice, but obviously there's a lot of other people involved. Um, but creatively your job is to be the first and the last. Wow. Right off the bat, you already made it into the book. I love, I love that. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that description. Um, what do you, you know, what do you dislike? Is there anything that you dislike about being a creative director? This is something, this is an area that I want to, that I want to talk a little bit about in the book. So I'm trying to get some more material here, but what, what do you dislike about it? If, if anything, maybe you don't. Yeah. I mean, th that's a really great question. I personally, I take great pride in winning pitches. You know, anybody who works with me will tell you that like pitch day is a day that we usually win and a day that I never plan on losing. And so when we lose a pitch, it really irks me. And I want to do a postmortem. Like, what could we have done better? Um, that and I miss getting in the weeds. You know, as a copywriter, it's like fun to really find a voice and, and just write and write and get buried into an account and that account's identity. Um, but when you become a creative director, man, it's you don't often have time to get in the weeds anymore. You have to trust in your team. Right. And so I wish that I could really bury myself in the writing. And unfortunately, there's just not enough time for it anymore. Um, but those are my two big things, losing pitches and, and not being on the ground, so to speak. So how 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 have you managed to let go? Uh, because that's something that gets in a lot of in the way of a lot of folks that are you know, that are, um, you know, moving up into the ranks of creative director. I know I've struggled with that myself, but how, how mm -hmm. did you let go? Or do you find, do you find little moments in time where you can kind of scratch that itch a little bit? 
Yeah, it's definitely the latter. You know, if an account comes along that I'm really personally excited about, I will I will get a little bit autonomous and, and take the reins on the account and do a lot of the writing. Um, so that definitely I definitely scratch the itch. I like that analogy a lot. And and the other thing, like the thing that makes me comfortable with letting go is you trust your team. You know, you you helped grow these people, you hired these people and you want to see them succeed. So when you put your trust in them and they crush it, that's like the really great feeling. Like forget about my own you know, glory, whatever, watching the team succeed is my favorite, favorite, favorite thing. So yeah, having that happen is, is like part of making it easy to let go. So as a, as a, as a writer, right. Um, you probably have a distinct voice in your, in probably in your personal writing, right. Mm-hmm. When you're writing yeah. for, for brands, how do you, um, you know, how do you, sort of, you know, surrender over to the, the whatever voice you've kind of created for the brand. And also kind of related to the previous question, you know, if people are submitting writing to you, you know, mm-hmm. how do you avoid that? Oh, I, I probably would have done, written it this way. You know what I mean? I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. That just that just struck me as you were talking about that. So how do I get rid of my own personal taste and what I think is best good, good writing and how do right. I identify the brand? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it starts with that first phone call. You meet the CEO, you meet whoever the big decision maker is and you hear how they feel about the brand and you start to learn about what language is going to identify for them. Uh, so like I personally, like everything that I write is always in a very colloquial tone. You know what I mean? I always want people to feel like we're having a chat because it makes it so much more accessible. Most brands that we work with tend to really like that, but there are a lot that are a little bit more exclusive, right? A little bit right. more expensive. So you have to take on not that like casual tone. Right. Um, I, that's kind of like a diff- difficult like question to answer, but um, how do I remove myself? It's really about that first meeting and yeah. like meet the CEO, hear how they feel, and then you understand a little bit more about what they hope for the brand voice. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Now you mentioned this and, and you know, what about about pitching and hating to lose yeah what what on average how many you know what's the percentage of pitches that you're that you're winning here so i want to i want to know because i you know (laughs) tell me tell me the secret i mean all right i'll tell you the secret after the numbers so the creative team since i've been at within we've pitched 15 times and we've won 11 times what? So it, it's wow. crazy. I mean, no, I, I, I got to caveat this because the media team has built like about five or six of those mm. where the media team having already built a relationship and then they have to introduce, you know what, you guys really like working with us. Let me introduce you to our creative director and the creative yeah. team and let's see what they're capable of. And then we just have to live up to the hype. Yeah. Um, so we do have the benefit of having a great media team that, that's, that you know, hyped us up. But um, yeah, the secret, man, the secret is to make people feel heard. Yeah. I really mean that. If you listen well, like that's everything. Um, and I like to think that we come to the we come to the pitch. All of our handoffs are seamless. Everybody mm-hmm. knows their beats to talk about. Uh, all of our work has been done weeks in advance, you know. So we take pitch day very seriously. And I think that's why we have that batting average. Yeah, that's incredible. And congratulations on that. Because even though I, I hear what you're saying about that the that the the, uh, the media team's setting you up, but it's still yeah. up to you to get up to the plate and and kind of you know hit a home run. So that's that's very impressive in terms of the of, of your you know of your pitching style or how you like to pitch. If you could just kind of share a little bit about uh, about that, you know, are you a, a you know are you a details sort of guy? Are you more of a big picture guy? Are you somewhere in the middle? you know, heavy visuals, mm-hmm. mock-ups, like give, give us a little uh, idea of how you like to pitch. So I, I think like one of the foremost things that I think is important to like any pitch that we win is that we are lockstep with strategy, you know, the strategy mm-hmm. department. So it usually goes like sales and account will open up with information about our company, a little bit of, you know, hey, how, how are you, blah, blah, blah. And then they often pitch directly to strategy and strategy is like, here's what we know. Here's what we set out to research, and here's what we understood about your brand after our research. What we learned has informed creative in these ways. And now here's Zach to explain to you how we're going to make that work. And right. we have, and then it's like my job to jump in and I say something like, so thank you so much, Strategy. 
here's what we know. We know we understand that your client, you know, your your or your consumer wants to buy XYZ product, but what are they really buying? They're buying a feeling that you're selling. Um, and here's what we know about that feeling. We came up with three ways in to tap into that feeling. And then if I'm feel if I'm excited, if the team has been crushing it, the first thing that I'll do is I want to throw it to my art director to talk to you about what we have mocked up for you. Yeah. Or if it's much more of a tone of voice execution, I'll throw it to my senior copywriter who's going to walk you through this. So like it's strategy crushes. And then I give like sort of a thoughtful introduction to what we're going to accomplish here. And then I throw to the main creative that helped do the work. Um, it's seamless handoffs. Like I said before, Jaime, it's like, yeah, the, the pitch needs to feel like everything is just a chat. It feels very natural and organic. And, uh, my pitch style as far as far as personally i like to engage with people you know i will crack a yeah. joke i will ask them how they're feeling i will open up the floor for for questions about whatever we've just gone through i, I like to keep it engaging because you remember that these people are pitched at yeah. over and over and over again what's refreshing is being spoken to like a human being right you know so that's part of the i just make it a chat that's one of my big rules you and know what's interesting yeah, you know what's interesting is just now in your explanation of it, you did you you did just that, right? Like you kind of went through it in, in a in a very sort of human, simple, direct way. So that that's that's awesome. And now you guys make a lot of do a lot of content, right? So do you do yeah. you know animatics or like little rough sketches of what something might look like with maybe some found footage or stock footage, or do you do that kind of stuff too, or not? Because I've had sort of mixed success with that because I personally love it. And if I was on the other end, I could totally use my imagination and understand that what I'm seeing is not a final product. It's just sort of a thought. But sometimes mm -hmm. I found that clients are like, well, is it going to really look like that? Or it's like, yes. I wouldn't have done that. So do you do that or do you, do you not take that risk? I don't take the risk with those mm -hmm. kinds of things. I mean, I'm a big fan of storyboards in general, but generally with a pitch, it doesn't help because like you said, they get so latched on to that as the final product and then they distract it from the rest of the pitch. Um, what I love and I'm a huge proponent of are sizzles. Like, you know, I love this idea and we were so excited as an internal creative team that we took it upon ourselves to make this little sizzle for you. And you can make a great sizzle yeah. 30 second thing that you just rip footage from stuff they've already done, throw a little new VO over it, pick a new song. And it just shows them that you get them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that is like, it's impossible to mistake it for their final product that they're paying for. Right. It's like yeah. a totally your interpretation of the brand. Yeah. And it shows that you go the extra mile, you get the brand and it gives people a second to get their gears turned and get them excited without committing to something like a storyboard would. Yeah. Yeah. So almost like a moving kind of mood board or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like a teaser yeah, cool. mood board. Yeah. I love that. And what about, what are your, such a big writer, how do you feel about, you know, a manifesto or like a narrative or, you know, mm. I, I sometimes like to do, you know, put on my best, um, uh, James Earl Jones voice or whatever and do <laughs> do a little manifesto. But do you, is that something that you like to do that you find helpful? Or again, that's another one where I, that one I feel a little bit, I feel like they can grasp those things a little bit better than say like a little, you know, mock-up video. But mm -hmm. I still sometimes don't know if they land every time, you know? Well, I, I usually open, so when, like I told you, strategy hands off to creative. Um, the first thing that they will see is usually a write-up about like, here's my big idea. It has a title. Yeah. It has a little tagline underneath. You know, yeah. it's like a two or three word title and then a little italicized tag yeah. that explains it. The next slide is always a manifesto. It's like one yeah. paragraph. This is who you are. Yeah. And it's kind of nice because like, it doesn't have to be like, this is who you, we think you are. This is who the consumer thinks we are. Right. You, are, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of manifestos. It tends to, at the very least, set up the rest of what they're about to see very well. Yeah. You know? and, and you can, you know, as a writer, you know this, you can use certain language that is noncommittal, right? Like, this is how you feel. It doesn't have to say specifically, this is what you do. It's like, this is how you make people feel. And that language is often more forgiving, right? Yeah. Like, when we're describing feelings, it's like it can be interpreted X, Y, and Z way. Um, so I'm a big fan of manifestos and I don't think you should stop writing them. All right. 
I love it. Um, so that was a little piece of advice there. What other piece of what other advice would you give to someone who's about to become a creative director? And and I've I've since landed again. I mentioned that I'm writing this book, and I've since landed on the on the audience, right? And the audience in my mind really is going to be someone who's just entering into this role mm-hmm. and needs somewhere to go because I've ne- I've never seen anything like this, right? And or somebody that has been a creative director for a while maybe feels like they lost their way or maybe they, that they need to get a get a not a refresher but just sort of get re-energized. But what would if you could tell somebody give a, somebody a piece of advice? What would it be um, for anybody who's about to become a creative director? Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, all right. Well, I got two key pieces of advice. All right. Um, actually, three. All right. <laughs> uh, the first one is be careful where you spend the company credit card. Don't do anything silly or stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what? My, my, Wait, uh, what? This is the first time I'm hearing of this. Okay. Good, we, good. We, we, we have, a, we have like a lot of fun in advertising and like, you don't want to be the creative director that leads people into like having too ruckus of a night and get you yeah. get reprimanded. Don't exactly. do that. Okay. Good one. Good one. I like So it. number two, um, your ability to listen is your best skill. You know, my father, um, who was like incredible with people, uh, he and he, he passed away like five or six years ago now. Actually, I think it's six years ago. But he gave me some like incredible nuggets of wisdom. And one of them I apply every day. Listen twice, speak once. Mm. Your ability to listen is everything. Whether it's your clients or your team or your boss, like whatever it is, make sure that you really process and you make people feel heard. That yeah. will change everything. When somebody feels like you're really listening, they buy into you so fast. Yeah. So be a good listener. Number two, hire well. Because you can't micromanage. At a certain scale, it's impossible. You know, we're just, we were talking about getting out of the weeds. At a certain scale, it's impossible to be writing every day, to be focused on every tiny little copy editing task. So hire well and delegate well. And you find the talent, you grow the talent, you you believe in the people that you hire and make sure they know that you believe in them. Um, so yeah, listen well, hire well. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's great. And I and I'm seeing I'm seeing why you you win so many pitches. You you kind of went back and said I got to give them three points because three <laughs> three is always is always it's a magic good number. number. <laughs> it's better than two, right? Um, but what about so in the listening thing? That's interesting that you say that because. It, I, it's true, absolutely, um, and it's something that I've I've had to learn. Not that I'm not a listener, but as a creative person, somebody that gets excited, right? Tell mm-hmm. me if you've if you've had this feeling as well. You're listening, and then you're kind of like, I want to tell you what my idea is, or I want to tell you, you know. And it's yeah. hard, right? Because, but if you're not listening to the full, complete thought that they're saying it that they're saying and you're focused on what your, what your rebuttal is going to be or what your idea is. Yeah. You probably miss something along the way. Oh, a hundred percent. Because, because you have this one really cogent thought that you want to bring up, but they're already a mile away from that first talking point. You know what I mean? Yeah. I totally hear you. Uh, I experienced this a lot with, with creatives who are like really eager to rebut something and like defend themselves and don't know how to really, like interrupt or interject. Um, it's a tough thing, man. You have to like read the person that you're talking to uh, because some people are going to be more receptive to like, um, oh, wow, I love that. Like, I, I really love what you were saying. And you can interrupt them if it starts with a compliment. Yeah. You know, you can say like, oh, I really, really love that. And the thing you just said before, I identify with that too because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Or the worst thing that can happen is, you start trying to interject in a, in a polite, excited way, and they just keep talking. Like, they don't want to hear shit that you have to say because they're on a tear. And now you look a little bit foolish for trying to interject at all. Um, yeah. That's really tough, man. It's a very case-by-case thing. Um, my thing that I've found works best when you want to interject or interrupt somebody. And if first of all, you have to be a good judge of if that point that you were going to make is really worth it. Like uh, distracting right. them from their tear, yes. you got to be a good judge of conversational moments. Um, right. So what I would say is if you really want to interject, use their name. Like, I really like that, Jaime. Mm-hmm. Or I really like that, Zach. And yeah. that will stop them in their tracks because you're addressing them directly. 
And that's just yeah. like one of the little tricks that we will use often, you know. Um, yeah. But that's tough. It's very case by case. But if you have to do it, inject their name and that'll really make them stop. You know, what's interesting is a couple of episodes back, I was talking to this really uh, great um, executive creator director, Joel Kaplan. And, and, and we mm-hmm. were talking about I wrote this piece on LinkedIn many years ago about the myth of the aha moment. You know, you've seen all these movies with advertising people, madman, sure. whatever, right? It's that it's that that myth of like you're just going to roll something off off the cuff, right? And you're going to go into this, launch into this beautiful and you crack you know, the mon- code mon- monologue, right? But you just did it right then and there. And then the client, you know, is like, they stand up and they're all clapping yep. or, you know, in Mad Men, I always love that they like signed some like contract. Oh, they signed the, the deal spot, right, right there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and the strategy was like a tagline, which is hilarious. Like, do you approve the strategy? And it was like, it's like, that's not a strategy. Anyway, and I wrote this whole article about how I just think that it's a it's a myth and it doesn't really mm. exist. Maybe maybe once in your career or something like that. But Droll had an interesting thought, <clears throat> and he said, "Yeah, I I tend to agree with you, except for when you read the room and you sense that they are looking for that. They are looking for mm. somebody because there's he said you know there's some some rooms where they want to be collaborative and they want to get to the answer together." And then there's some where they're kind of looking at you going, all right, what do you got? You know, so that that was interesting. Yeah. I'm like, I never thought about that because I had sort of walked back from, you know, from that idea. But he said, you just got to read the room, kind of like what you said, right? And just decide, like, are they looking that for that right now? Because if not, I'm not going to do that because it, you know, could I could fall flat on my face sort of thing. Oh, and and I've done that before too, right? Where it's like a mostly media pitch and they want to know about measurement. How are we going to test these different variations? We're talking about thousands of Facebook banner ads and I will come in with, here's what we know about your brand. Here's a beautiful video from Werner Herzog about the fragility of the human experience. And they're like, dude, we just wanted a thousand Facebook ads and how to test them and you're going to lose this account. So that has definitely happened. But, um, like there have been a handful of times where they really want to feel something. Right. And those are the accounts that you're talking about, right? Where it's like a single tagline can encompass everything. It's really about reading the room. It's about understanding who the stakeholder is and how they personally feel about the brand. Yeah. So, you know, paint the picture for me. You're, you set up your first, um, session where you're trying to get your team together to come up with some ideas, you know, mm-hmm. I, what, what does that look like? What does the brainstorming, the ideation process look like for, let's, let's say it's a new, it's a new, um, it's a new client or a new pitch. Okay. Kinda give me an idea of what that looks like. Well, thanks to strategy, we usually have a great brief, you know, so they have interpreted everything the client wants. They've put it into a strong brief for us. We always have that in front of us on our computer screens. Um, The other thing that we always have in front of us is anything that they've done in the last year. You know, I want to see what Mm. they've worked with, what has passed the bar, you know. um, So I because I want to be like in line with their goals, but I want to be different from what they've already been doing. So that's important. And I will usually we'll usually just start thinking there. And the line that keeps coming up in our in these brainstorms is dig a layer deeper. You know, I'll talk to you. One of our clients is a very big uh, mattress manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And um, on the surface, you're selling a mattress. And then a layer deeper, you're selling, right, the best mattress. But all of your competitors say that. So what are you really selling? You're selling a good night's sleep. Okay, I guess that, yeah, but what are you, what is what is a good night's sleep selling? Good night's sleep is selling you the chance to wake up well-rested. And I'll never forget, like, um, one of our... Uh, associate creative directors at the time said, you know, a good night's sleep is not just a good night's sleep. A good night's sleep is a chance to wake up and be your best. Right. For the next day. Yeah, exactly. To maximize your potential as a human being. That's what you're really selling. So that's like an example of how you dig a layer deeper to what the core of the product is. And that's usually how the brainstorms go. And then so we'll land on what that core is. And then I will just send off the team. I'll be like, yo, uh, we're going to meet back up in three hours, like come up with some taglines, come up with some write ups and, and we'll get back to it. That's great. Yeah. Um, because I think um, I agree with you on that, uh, you know, giving, sending people off because I think once you, once you just get into shouting out ideas, then it just, it just doesn't, 
It just doesn't yeah. work. So as a writer, so are you part of that going off and writing stuff as well? And and if if so, what does that what does that look like for you once you go off and start doing your thing? Sometimes, yeah. Um it's definitely something that, like I said, on a case to case basis, I will take part in that, you know, depending on the scope of it. If like often we have clients that like demand the attention of the creative leader and like I yeah. won't be forced to. But sometimes I'm just excited about accounts and I will write. Oftentimes I trust in my hires who are like all excellent writers and, and art directors and designers. Um, so sometimes, yes, I will get involved. I often can't help myself, Jaime. Like, yeah. I will just, like, start writing right away. And I have, like, a format that I like everybody to write things in, right? So it's, like, your idea is one or two words and it's bolded. And then you have your little tagline. And then you have a three-paragraph write-up. It can be, like, two or three sentences a paragraph. But it's, here's what we know about your brand, two or three sentences. And then here's what we're going to do about it, ideas, actionable stuff. And then the last paragraph is two or three sentences. Here's how people are going to feel about your brand after they've seen our work. Wow. And that's how you break down our ideas. And my team knows I love for things to be written in that way. Um, you can just expand on it very easily. And then if you want a couple bullet points about like stylistically, here's some references. Here's how it's going to feel, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. that three paragraph format is my favorite thing to see from copywriters. So that's that's great. I'm stealing that. Uh, yeah, go for it. I have a I have a similar thing where I you know I have this whole thing you know name it and claim it. Like no matter mm. what the idea is, you got to give me a cool name, even if it never sees the light of day. I need something that sounds cool, and then I need you to tell me what the what the core of the concept is. Um, and then a couple of lines on how it works, or you know some more kind of nuts and bolts thing, but. I, I need something that feels like, okay, I can, I can wrap my head around it. Yeah. Um, it encapsulates so like how this yeah. feels, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, all right. Well, let's take a little bit of a break and we'll be back with more from Zach Connolly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And we're back with Zach Connolly. And for the first time ever on the show, we're going to do a shout out. We're gonna oh we're gonna we're gonna open it up to, to <laughs> shout outs just like you know old school radio. Uh, so you you mentioned that you wanted to, and I love that by the way because I'm a big fan of you know of uh, thanking mentors and just sort of being appreciative. So who do you want to give a shout out to? I, I want to give a shout out to Ryan Freeman, who was uh, an executive creative director at Condé Nast during my time there. Uh, wonderful mentor, wonderful writer, and has informed a lot about um, the way that I lead a team. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. If you're hopefully you're listening, we'll have to you'll have to send him a link. But specifically, you 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 triggered that memory because of the of the format that you just shared right before the yes. break. That was something that he kind of shared with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, being on the Condé Nast team is we had to be very methodical, and um, I would uh, I don't know if this is a question for later, but I, I want to give like the advice that he gave me, which was you. Your job is the same as a carpenter. You build something that works yeah. as a writer. You are building something mechanical. The pieces, they have to connect. Don't get emotional. Don't get too precious. You do your job. You have a unique skill. You get paid for your skill. You go home and you do it well consistently. And that is something that I've always tried to remember because a lot of young writers, and, and I think you might know this, Jaime, it's, we get so precious sometimes. Yeah. You know, Early on in our career, our ideas are our babies. And uh, you have to remember that this one isn't important because if you're a good writer, you got another million in your pocket. Nice. Yeah. I would say that I, I started, I was never super precious, but I, I, I did, you know, would mm-hmm. get upset sometimes um, ab- about something being killed or whatever. But I, I will say that probably, you know, within the last 10 years, I've gotten really, really more stoic, right? It's, it's like, okay, that's your feedback. Yes. Got it. You hate it. All right. Got it. I don't get, <laughs> I don't, I don't get, I try not to get too uh, pressured, precious about it, but it's interesting that what you're, what you're saying kind of relates to something that I was just today talking to somebody about. It's something that I read in a book um, called uh, the war of art and the guy talks about just being a pro, right? And if you're a writer, mm-hmm. it's like you sit down to write. It's it, you know, a lot of people make the excuse of like, "Well, I'm not feeling inspired," or you know, "I'm not," you know. But it's like the muse will visit you if you sit down and write. You know, if you like, just yeah. be a pro. Um, so it's very kind of in line with uh, what you're saying, and I, I kind of I like that. I think yeah, that's man. I think that was good advice. So good job, good job, Ryan. Um, so, what's something that that inspires you? Uh, where do you draw inspiration from? Where do I draw inspiration? I from? mean, you're um, so are you? So are you? Because we were talking earlier about this. In your guitar, you have guitars. Are you a guitar player? You play? Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I, pl- I play a handful of instruments actually. Nice. Uh, my my probably best instrument, the one that I'm most talented in, is the violin. Wow. Um, I played that all throughout middle school, high school, and a little bit in college, and it's the only one that I can actually read music to. Wow. Um, I mean, I can read a little bit of piano, but uh, yeah, I, I play like a bunch of instruments, um, which is kind of disheartening sometimes because you wish you were just such an expert in one, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but yeah, I do that. I, I think I draw inspiration a lot, honestly, from reading. Um, I'm reading this book right now called... Uh, the first time I got paid for it, and it's an anthology series uh, that contains these stories from all of these different famous writers, screenwriters, documentarians about the very first time they were ever paid for writing. And I dig it because it reminds me that inspiration can come from anywhere, and also more importantly, and for like any like young would-be creative director or young writer listening. Uh, there really is no linear path to success or mm-hmm. even happiness in this business. So, like, don't feel disheartened if you're not climbing the ladder. You know, the ladder goes in all these different ways. It doesn't just go straight up. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, what do you like to do outside of outside of uh, your creative work? Is there something else or just outside of work in general? Are there some other outlets that you have? Um, yeah, I play a lot with my daughter. I have a two-year-old daughter, Shay. Oh, awesome. Um, she's amazing. And it's like, it's just very, very interesting to hear 
you know, the worlds that she creates. Like you were saying earlier, uh, the idea of like summoning the muse when you sit down. Right. She, like little kids have the muse all the time. That's Absolutely. the only thing that's in them, you know. And so watching her just create worlds like based on two little like I made her these two little characters. We were at the mall recently and I just made them out of paper towels uh, like I folded one into a rose and I folded another one into like this little origami thing and she created entire backstories for them and stuff like that so I'm always drawing inspiration from her and um, outside of work I I write plays I write a lot of plays really uh, and, yeah. and and uh, have you have you gotten the, the plays produced or I have yeah I had a wow. few produced in uh, little you know small play festivals in New York City and surrounding areas and um, there, it's always really fun. I was like so excited. We got a write up in the New York Times once wow. for our play festival. Yeah, uh, shout out to Brunch Theater and Haley Jacobson, who is like a wonderful producer and writer who actually just got her first book deal. Uh, but yeah, she was producing a short play festival and uh, thought my play was funny enough to be included. So, thanks, Haley. That's that's <laughs> pretty cool. Now you know early, very very early on in our conversation, I think we. You shouted. You made a a, Bukowski, a, a, a Bukowski quote. So oh, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Are, are you know? And he's he tends to be pretty dark, oh, or God, can be yeah. dark. But so are are you more funny? Or are you more sort of introspective <laughs> in your plays? Or is it a you know? Do you have a variety of different? I, I, you know, I tend to find humor in the macabre. Like, fine. Yeah. I know that sounds kind of douchey to be honest, but like, I really think that the darker things are funnier because it confronts us. Like humor and darkness confront us with the same thing, which is like, like true humanity. You know, like right. true humanity is hilarious and dark, and um, comedy fills us with like the joy that humanity gives. But darkness reminds us of like the true nature of our temporal time here. Um, maybe you can cut that out to make me sound a little bit less pretentious. But, <laughs> no, no, um, that's, I like it. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, like I tend, to, I tend to gravitate towards like really, really dark humor. Um, the play that I was talking about had no dialogue. It was just about a guy and a girl who acknowledge each other from across the bar. Can I? Do I have? Do we have time for me to just like spark notes this really quick? What spot? What's that? What's spark notes? Um, my, or- my play. <laughs> I'm just going to like give you like the quick and dirty. Yeah, yeah, play no, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I'm intrigued already. I can just because I, I can just in that in that in that log line. I totally get it. You know, guy and girl trying to communicate, you know, without yeah. speaking. No, no it. speaking. It's just the two of them at a bar. Um, he sees her. She sees him. They share a lot of glances back and forth. She starts flirting with him by like twirling her finger around her drink. And he responds by doing the same with his beer. Meanwhile, the bartender is in the center of stage, just like behind the bar, looking at both of them like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, this is so weird. And so they start twirling their drinks more and more aggressively until like she starts like playing with the water in her drink and like flicking water out. And he starts doing the same with his beer until he eventually starts like fisting his beer. (laughs) And my actor, I got amazingly lucky with the actor. He got like really aggressive with the fist. And water is splashing everywhere, and uh, I named it Sexy Beer. And uh, I thought it was just the rantings of a deranged mind, but uh, other people found it really funny. So that's, that was one of my plays. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's very hilarious. I love that. Um, what else? I mean, if you if you had an opportunity to do something outside of being a creative director, is that what you would do? Write plays, or is there some other dream that you had? I mean, I would really love to write plays um, for a living. I think that would be very, very fun, but there's not a whole lot of money in that. And there's not a whole lot of money in my other dream, which would probably be to be a cowboy. Um, In what, so in what (laughs) sense, in in what sense, well, you're, you're, where are you? You're in Brooklyn, right? I'm in, I'm in Yonkers, New York right now. Okay. So you'd be an urban, urban cowboy. Urban cowboy. Are we we talking about moving, moving to Texas or what, what are we talking about here? Like the lifestyle, Um, like the, just the lifestyle or like the real deal, like out on the range? I I spent some time on this uh, horse ranch in Bogota. Um, Yeah. I think I told you I I left Vice and I was in South America for a few months and I spent some time on this horse ranch in Bogota and, and like riding beautiful horses and. I bought this cowboy hat that I often wear in pitches now. Yeah. Um, because like going back to what we were talking about, it's like establishing personality, right? Making I this feel that. like it's not just every other pitch. And uh, I 
I can't really go back there because if I did, I think I'd never leave. Um, so that would be what I did. If, if being a creative director goes really, really far south, and unless playwrights suddenly start making millions of dollars a year, I think I'd just go be a cowboy down in Colombia. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to that moment in the show where we have to pay off the title of the show, Confessions of a Creative Director. So this is your opportunity oh to get something off your chest, to confess to uh, a creative crime, maybe. I had somebody just recently Ooh. say that they like to steal stuff off of their commercial sets. That was, that was a pretty good one. Uh, oh, I what, love that. What do you want to confess <laughs> to? Well, um, I've definitely stolen stuff off the commercial sets. All right, I got... I, I guess I'll just tell you, like, the literal and the figurative. I personally cannot pitch without a hype song. Okay, so if you see me in a pitch, uh, I have just listened to a big hype song, and I am so jacked up. That is my big secret, like to winning pitches. I never walk into a pitch without having listened to my hype song. Oh, I love that because I have a whole playlist. Oh yeah, I, I have a whole playlist, and and it's like just a variety of of songs. Um, okay, and yeah, pull, pull me a track. What, what's one of the tracks? Well, I have one called. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with. Um, um, with the band at the at the drive-in. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, but I have a song called One Arm Scissor. That one is just the the that yes. one is just the the music part of it. But then I have a uh, spoon. I have uh, the underdog. That uh, is one of my favorite songs of all time. Is that I right? Love, really? Yes, I'm dead serious. You yeah. wanna fear for the messenger? You wanna yeah. know that you think that you don't understand? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that obviously has some connotation because I, I always like to feel like uh, mm. the underdog. I have something by now. Now I'm looking it up. Let me see if I can. Uh, yeah, tell me. I have. Uh, hold on. Let me let me find this here because it's this is this is really exciting that that somebody else does this too. Um, I mean, I love Spoon, by the way. Like, I don't know if you've seen them in, lately, but their new album is supposed to be great. I, I went to school with uh, Britt uh, Brit Daniel. We, we had some no classes way. together. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, I never really talked to him much, but yeah. Did he well, seem cool? Yeah, he was He was cool. He, he Speaking of hats, he would always wear a hat to our – we were both <laughs> RTF majors, radio, television, and film majors, and he would kind of show up and read the paper like kind of an old-timey man with his, oh, with his little that. fedora. But while while I'm looking for my playlist, tell me what or can you reveal? You don't yes, have to reveal yes. it if it. If no, that's uh, they they don't have me under NDA. Um, I wish they did. So it's "Busy Earning" by Jungle, and it sort of has the same sentiment as you know you with the underdog. Busy earning, like I am really really always hungry to win business, and um, it's just one of my favorite songs of all time. A lot of the team makes fun of me for it because they know that I'm obsessed with that band. That's really cool. Why can I not find my... Oh, here it is. It's called the Pumped Playlist. So I'll read it to you. So oh, yeah. It's uh, Battle Flag by this... Uh, I don't even remember where I heard this. Low Fidelity, Low Fidelity All-Stars. Mm-hmm. Guess Who's Knocking by Ryan Bingham. Yep. 99 Problems by Jay-Z. Oh, let's go. Um, How You Like Me Now by The Heavy. <laughs> uh, the Underdog. Yeah. Uh, One arm scissor by at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manish boy by Muddy Waters, which is kind of it's a little. It's the one that um, I'm a man, you know that oh, one. Oh yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's a little, It might be a sound a little sexist, but it gets me pumped up because it's like it, it's not about being a man. It's about sort of being you know being anyway. the man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I could go on. I could go on, but uh, I, I yeah. wish you would. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. I'm, uh, that, I'm glad to know that somebody else uh, does that. All right, so that's your big confession, or do you have something else in the in the chamber here? Um, I mean, I got a little bit too introspective um, thinking about this question. The other thing I was going to say is that I don't feel like I work in advertising. Hmm. Um, I don't work in advertising. I don't like to treat it like advertising. Uh, I think I work in, like... How can I say this without sounding like the most pretentious guy you've ever interviewed? I like to feel like I work in the storytelling business and in the human business. In the human business in the sense that it's all just people. Yeah. You know, this is all like the people that you that you have to get approvals from, the people that you hire, your clients, all of these. It's just understanding a human being yeah. and understanding how to monetize that understanding. 
right? It's like really dark and capitalist in that way, but I work in that business and I work in the storytelling business. How clearly can you communicate a story? You know, how well can you articulate a brand's origin and its future? That's what I feel like I work in. Because when you call it advertising, it sounds like so lame. Yeah. And, and so I like to think of it as other things. And I guess that's my own little, like, deeper, more introspective creative director confession. I like it. I like it. I think it says a lot about sort of how you approach the work, right? And that you see sort of a bigger a bigger picture and a, and a bigger yeah. opportunity to tell to tell stories so yeah. man this has been a great conversation um i yeah. really uh I, I feel like we we are kindred spirits in, in some ways from the from the guitar playing to the <laughs> uh, to the pumped up playlist yeah. to the similar similar way that we like to kind of write up ideas yeah so, i'm um, blushing over here man sure. you're gonna take yeah. me out to dinner or what <laughs> <laughs> yeah once you're off the once you're back on the wagon we'll go out for some <laughs> uh some some drinks and uh dinner but yeah man zach i really appreciate it let's keep in touch let's uh you know let's uh, share it. some commiserate share some more war stories and uh just keep in touch and uh, i look forward to following your career and um just seeing all the great things that you do hi man it's such a pleasure man thank you all right take care talk soon and there you have it, folks, another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the books. Thanks to my very special guest, Zachary Connolly. That was awesome. One of my, uh, definitely one of my favorites. I don't like to play favorites, but that was definitely a, a really good show. Enjoyed talking to him, and I just can't wait to see what this guy does going forward. You know, he's still a young creative director. Um, he's on a hot streak within... If you're listening, man, I might, might steal this guy, so so watch out. But just doing some great work, has a, a great approach to what he's doing, and I just think somebody that uh, we all should be watching. So thanks again to Zach Connolly for being on the podcast. And if you're new to the show, please be sure to subscribe to it, leave us a rating, uh, help us grow this podcast this year. I want to make sure that uh, lots of people know about it because I think we talk to some really interesting people like Zach, and there's a lot to learn about uh, this business and about being a creative director. So tell your friends, subscribe today, and leave us a review. Well, that's it for now. Until next time, peace and creativity. Do your job, but could you make the logo bigger?